The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings, starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 709-1000. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be taking our scripture reading from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Could I invite you to pray with me? Father, I pray that as we spend time this morning in Romans chapter 6, I pray that the gospel would transform our lives. Lord, I know that your grace is abundant. And yet, oh, how easy it is for us to take advantage of, think that your grace is a license. And instead, Lord, I pray that today that we would grasp the truth that we are dead to sin. It has no power over us. And God, I pray that our lives would be transformed as a result of the gospel doing its work in our hearts. I pray that you would give me clarity as I speak, give your people open ears and open hearts to see your word. And may you be magnified today, in the next 50 minutes that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be in Romans chapter 6 for the duration of our sermon today, and I will say that Romans chapter 6, by far without any doubt in my mind, has impacted my spiritual walk greater than any other passage in the Scriptures. I find this passage that we'll be in this morning, verses 1 to 13, to bring joy to my soul. 
And I pray that as we spend time in it together, I have prayed every day this week that your life would also be impacted by the truths of Romans chapter 6. You do not have to live being overcome by sin. You do not have to do it. There is victory to be found, and I pray that as a result of us spending time in Romans chapter 6 this morning, that you will also experience that victory. As we come into the passage for Romans chapter 6, Paul is going to ask a question that harkens back to chapter 5. And so if I can just remind you of last week's sermon, there are two people who have impacted your life more than anybody else in the world. One, Adam, brought sin into the world and death by sin. So remember that the result of living in sin is death. However, Jesus Christ came and by His one act of obedience and going to the cross, He brought life to all. And so we now have life in Christ, whereas before we had death in Adam. You get the opportunity through the gospel to choose whether I will follow after my old man or I'm going to follow after Jesus Christ. The one will bring death and condemnation and guilt and lifetime of guilt, and instead the other will bring a lifetime of justification, eternal, everlasting life that does not have to begin when I die, but instead can be experienced in this life. So I want to draw your attention to chapter 5 and verse 20. For verse 20 sets up, the question that he'll ask in chapter 6 and verse 1. Here's verse 20, Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So the law, verse 20, the first half, the law entered that sin might abound. Take the law away, sin is there. Put the law in, it lets you know which sins you did. I wonder this week how many sins you might have, might have done. Sometimes it's good for us to look at the law so that we can see, oh, I slipped up there. Yes, I messed up there. Yes, I sinned there. It's sometimes good to look at those. So let me give you two examples. One Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I wonder how you did this week. Did in every moment, did you place God first in every moment? I wonder if perhaps maybe you slipped at some point. Maybe it was something simple like forsaking the assembly of the believers for instead to do something else that you wanted to do. Or maybe I wonder if it was something that was seemingly harmless, like choosing your belly over the gratitude of the giver. Or maybe it was just all out and you chose to worship at the altar of gross sin instead of putting God first. How about another one? Thou shalt not steal. And I'm only picking two out of 613. Thou shalt not steal. I wonder if perhaps this week maybe you stole from your employer came to work late, but you got paid for the time that you weren't there. Or maybe you stole from your neighbor. Their kids left something in your yard and you picked it up and just decided it was yours. Or maybe you stole from your mom, rifled through her belum, found some money, took it for yourself. Or maybe you were blatant, broken in her, 
went into somebody's house and stole it at gunpoint. I hope that's not the case. But oh, every single one of those falls short. Where the law entered, sin did abound. God put the law there so that you would see that your sin is exceedingly sinful. And when Jesus went to the cross, He didn't just go to the cross to take our sin as in a general idea. He took our sin, this one and that one and the other one, and all of our sins individually where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Oh, this is a glorious thought that He would take every individual single sin from our life, and that makes Him to look absolutely glorious. And so that sets us up for our question. Here's the problem. So if grace makes God look good, then perhaps we need to do more sin to get more grace. And that's the question that he asks in chapter 6 and verse 1. Look at his question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What do you think? If more sin means more grace, then perhaps we should sin more so there will be more grace. Because more grace makes God look good. And, and I might say, this is not original with me, I don't know who said it. I wrote it in my, in my Bible. I wish I'd have written down who it was that said it, because I could tell you who it was. But somebody said it like this. He said, two kinds of people think this way. Two kinds of people think in this way that I need to sin more so that grace will... One is logical, grace-loving people. I love God and I want His grace to be shown. So logically, then I just, as much as it pains me, I need to sin more. Don't understand how this works. Or, the second kind, and I think there are much more people in this category than would ever be in the first category, would be illogical, sin-loving people. People that say, well, His grace is going to be good, so I'll just sin all I want to illogical, and they love sin, they don't care about the grace of God. They're just going to use the grace of God as a license that just gives them the permission to go and sin. And he says, oh no, not at all. Don't ever think that way. And by the way, if you can jump from chapter 5 and verse 20 to chapter 6 and verse 1, you have made a gross error in jumping over verse 21. So look at verse 21 and see what he has to say. Sin reigns unto death. So if your heart is in the illogical, sin-loving category. You know where you're going to be going? Death. You're going to be living a life of regret, wondering where in the world is this power from the Holy Spirit and the power of the Gospel. Where is it? You won't open your mouth and tell people about the goodness of Jesus because you haven't experienced it for yourself. But instead, the other side of the equation is verse 21. Even so, might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So when you start to experience the fact that His grace is reigning in your life, it's going to reign through righteousness. Your life will be different. Grace will reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Instead of experiencing that over and over and over death, you're going to instead you're going to experience eternal life. I'm going to love what I'm doing, and I can't help but tell people about how glorious this Lord Jesus is because He's transformed my life. I'm different. That's what we mean when we say the gospel transforms our lives. And so here He says, you don't have to live in sin. You can let grace reign in your life through righteousness, and that'll happen to the glory of God through Jesus Christ. So, if you are skipping over verse 21, 
And you're missing something that's very important as he comes into chapter 6 and verse 1. I'm going to give you three points as I walk through Romans chapter 6, the first 13 verses. I'll give you three points this morning. The first one is right here at the very beginning. This is verses 1 to 4. This is the first thing I want you to grasp. What you don't know can really hurt you. What you don't know can really hurt you. I don't know if you've heard the opposite of this is what you don't know can't hurt you. I think that's a stupid statement. If there's a snake underneath the rock and you don't know about it and you go put your hand underneath that rock, what you don't know can hurt you. Right? You can't say, well, I don't know what a bullet is so it can't hurt me. No, no, no. What you don't know can really hurt you. And as a believer, if you don't know that you are dead to sin, your Christian life is going to be a problem. He's going to say it over and over in this passage. Don't, please don't think that ignorance is bliss. It's completely wrong. Don't bury your head in the sand and say, well, I didn't understand this concept, so therefore I'll just have to keep living this way. No, what you don't know can hurt you. So I'm going to ask with you, put your thinking caps on this morning, follow what he has to say, because there is a great promise that's repeated throughout this passage that will have a great impact in your spiritual life. Let's read verses 1 and 2, and I'll show you the truth. The truth, by the way, is in verse 2. Let's read verses 1 and 2 and you'll see it. Verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, here's the truth, that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Here's the truth. You are dead to sin. If you are a believer, you put your trust in Christ, here's the truth. You are dead to sin. You need to know that. And if you don't know that, it's going to hurt you. So here's what you need to know. You are dead to sin. Now let's keep reading. We'll see verses 3 and 4 now. Verse 3. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So here's biblical truth and I'm praying that it will sink in today. You are in Christ. I'm speaking to believers here this morning. If you're not a believer, if you've not put your trust in Jesus, I'm sorry this does not apply to you. If you are not a believer, you are lost in sin. But if you're a believer, you are now in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you are dead to sin. You're alive in Christ. You walk in a new life. If any man be in Christ, you remember the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I'm in Christ. My life is hid in Christ. I do not have any problem now. Sin no longer reigns over me. We'll see this throughout the passage. And by the way, this passage, Romans 6, verse 1 to 13, is all about death. So I want you to look at the verses. Verse 1 is the only verse that does not say anything about death. Look at the verses and I'll try to point them out. Verse number 2. Look and see. You'll see a phrase. Dead to sin. You are dead to sin. Verse number 3. We were baptized into His death. Verse number 4. 
We're buried with Him by baptism into death. Verse 5, we're planted together in the likeness of His death. Verse 6, our old man is crucified. Verse 7, he that is dead. Verse 8, if we be dead with Christ. Verse 9, Christ is raised from the dead. Verse 10, in that he died. Verse 11, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. It's the first time that he hasn't said dead, but mortal is the same idea. You die. Verse number 13, as those that are alive from the dead. You see that? 13 verses and 12 of them talk about death, death, death. There's a truth here. You are dead to sin. And I've prayed all week that this truth will sink into you because if you can be renewed in your mind, you'll be transformed in your walk. I'm praying that this will sink in. You are dead to sin. Let me show it to you. He says it again in verses 10 and 11. He says it so clearly. Romans 6, verses 10 and 11. In that He died, that's Jesus, when He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Likewise, that's for you and me, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You have died. I'm in Christ. He died to sin. I died to sin. He rose again and He lives with God. I rise again and I live with God. In the life that I now live, oh, it is totally different. I am no longer ruled by sin. I am dead to sin. This is a reality. It's a truth. And the things that we don't know can hurt us. So let me take a moment, walk through verses 3 and 4. Look at verse 3. There's a statement here. Know you not? Don't you know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Let me just take a moment, handle that word baptized. Is this water baptism? And I could see a good case for both sides. And So I'm going to say I don't know if he's saying it was when you got baptized into water and I'll explain that in a moment. There, most of the times in the Bible when the word baptized is used, most of the time it is referred to in you got saved and after your salvation you were baptized by immersion into the water. And many of you have been baptized and so you remember that moment when you were in the water. I had the privilege of baptizing many of you. You go under the water and it's an image. I'm buried with Christ and I'm raised again with Christ. It's a beautiful picture there. Now there are some times in the Scripture that it's not used that way. 1 Corinthians uses it in a different way. Galatians uses it in a different way. I, I think 1 Corinthians 12 gives us a good one in that it says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. You're not baptized in the water for that one. We become members of His body. 1 Corinthians 12, the whole chapter is about being different body parts. Some are an ear, some are an eye, some are a nose. Others are hands and feet. And yet this passage is not baptized in the water, but it does show the same idea you're included into. You're baptized into the one body. So you see this picture. Here's the picture. I'm in Christ. So when he says I'm baptized into Christ, I'm baptized, I'm brought in, I'm immersed completely into his body. 
Another one, though, on the other hand, would be Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. As many as you of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And almost see the exact same wording here in Galatians 3 as what we see in Romans 6. You are baptized into Christ and you're putting on Christ. In other words, you're being fully immersed by Jesus. I'm in Him. If any man be in Christ, I'm in Him. And so if I'm in Him, then I'm a part of Him. I've put Him on. It's as if I am walking and I am Jesus. My life is hid in Him. I say that I don't know if it's water baptism because this is the only place in the book of Romans that he speaks of baptism. He doesn't mention it in any other of his writings here in the book of Romans. I could also see it this way. And perhaps you might understand this example. Here's Paul, Roman setting. Christians are going to be persecuted on a major scale and some of them already have experienced it at the time he writes this. And he says, don't you remember when you got baptized? You were going in 100% And you weren't just on the fence about this follow Jesus stuff. You're going into the water and you got baptized and you came back out with newness of life and you're showing people. He goes, why in the world would you immerse yourself into that and then somehow walk away on the other side and say, well, I can just give myself to sin. And so I can go both ways on this. Both ways work. It's water baptism or it's not water baptism. I don't think it changes the meaning of Romans 6.3. Here's the meaning on the one side. You're in Jesus. You're different. The other one. You went in the water and that was a picture to other people that you're in Jesus. So you're different. You put on Jesus. You've been immersed in Him. Don't you know, verse 3, as many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized, and here's the part that's important, you were baptized into His death. It's as if God looks at you and He says, you were on the cross with Jesus Christ. Dead to sin. Now look at verse number 4, because it's not just the death that we gain by being a part of Him, we also gain His resurrection. Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so you see this, we gain, by being in Jesus, we gain both His death and His resurrection. So dead to sin, but then alive to God. This is a glorious gifting. And I don't know if you recognize the wording there, the end of verse 4, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. That's the very same wording that I use when I do a baptism service. Coming up in about a month from now, we'll do a baptism service, and you can put your ears, open your ears, and hear me actually say the words. I put the brother or sister down under the water, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And in that moment, nothing changes spiritually. Nothing changes. The water doesn't wash away your sins. Nothing changes. Here's what changes. Everybody gets to see that you're in Christ. That's the moment of baptism. And so, buried with Him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And off you go for the rest of your life. You're going, I'm with you, Jesus. On the cross, He looks down through time, as it were, 
And He chooses you, and then in baptism, you reach back. I'm going with you. I'm getting newness of life. I'm different. I'm in Christ. And then look at verse number 4 again. There's a statement here that, said, that I want to point out. It says, He was raised like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Here's the Father raises Jesus from the dead, and He uses His own glory to do that. And that's the very same glory that Isaiah chapter 6 writes about, with the seraphim flying about the temple, crying, Holy, 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 the glory of the Father. And it's the same glory that spreads in a righteous brightness, and it's the same glory that we as sinful men and women fall short of, Romans 3.23, the glory of God. And yet this magnificent glory did the most significant thing ever, namely He used the glory of God to release Jesus the Son from the bonds of death. That very same glory is what He is using to release you and I from the bonds of sin and death. Oh, this is a great thing. I think back to Romans 4 verse 25. Jesus was raised again for our justification. We got the righteousness of God. So therefore, Jesus is raised by the glory of the Father. So what you don't know, number one, what you don't know can really hurt you. That brings me to number two. What you do know strengthens what you believe. What you do know strengthens what you believe. Let me read verses 5 to 10 for you, and you can see some things that we should know. I want you to pay attention specifically to the word know in verses 5 to 10. Here's verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him. For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God." So the more I know about God, the more I can believe what He says. I might say it another way. The more you know of the attributes of God, the more you can trust Him. I know that He is immutable, unchangeable, omnipotent, all-powerful. When I know these things and I understand these things, I can believe Him when He says something. I think maybe if I can go the opposite way, perhaps you might understand this really well. There are some people that you know and you don't believe. Just because you know their character, you don't trust them. I'll go less sinister. Perhaps you set a time with someone and you say, hey, let's meet at this time. But you know their character is such that they will not be there on time. So you don't trust them to show up on time. You follow me? I know that we say PNG time. Let's not give PNG a bad name for our lack of following time. So that's our own personal laziness. It's not, it's not PNG's fault. So if you know something based on your knowledge, then you can have trust. All right, so let's look at God then. 
when I know more about God, it will strengthen what I believe about Him. And so there's a couple of things in this passage that we can know. So what can we know? And the, and the words know show up in verse 6 and verse 9. Knowing this, verse 6 and in verse 9, knowing that. So let's see them separately. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So what do we know? This is what we know. First one, we know Christ's death Bought or brought our freedom from sin. Christ's death brought our freedom from sin. So I'm freed from sin, and how am I freed from sin? By Christ's death. Christ is the one who died, and I'm in Him. I'm now dead to sin, and that gives me freedom from sin. So Christ's death is the one that gives me freedom from sin. Now I want you to follow along in verse 6 very closely, because these words have great significance. Verse 6, knowing this, what is it that we know? Our old man is crucified with Jesus. His death. That. There's two more that's here. So this one, follow me here. This one, first section happened. That, section, second section can happen. That, third section can happen. That's what we're having in verse 6. So here's the statement. The old man is crucified with Jesus. That, second part, what is it? That the body of sin might be destroyed, and then that, last part, verse 6, that, henceforth, going forward, we should not serve sin. So there's three things going on here. I died with Jesus. That's number one. That's the truth. I'm dead into sin. I died with Jesus. That my body will be destroyed. That... I no longer have to serve sin. So here's the truths that are coming out. I, I died with Jesus. And because I di died with Jesus, this mortal body, this old man is being destroyed. You say, but I look at it. Pastor, I look at my body. It's not being destroyed. It's not being done away with. It's not going somewhere. It loses its power. That's the idea of destroyed. It loses its power. It doesn't have strength over you any longer. It's rendered useless. Sometimes people get this backwards. They say things like, Christ died on the cross and now sin is dead to me. But that's not what He said. He didn't say sin is dead to you. He said you are dead to sin. And that's significant. Because sin still has a pleasure in a season. Sin can still look exceedingly beautiful. And yet... If you are dead to sin, it does not have power over you. So don't say, sin is dead to me. No, the Bible's truth is, I'm dead to sin. So it comes along, and it, I'm dead. It cannot rule me. If I'm going to participate, oh, get this spiritual picture. If I'm going to participate in sin willingly, that means I have to drag this nasty, rotting, dead carcass back in, pick it up like a puppet, and make it do things that it's not supposed to do. Because sin has no power over the dead. That's verse 7. He that is dead is freed from sin. So then we need to think of ourselves that way. So what can I know? I can know that Christ's death brought me freedom from sin. Now verse number 9, what else can we know? Verse 9. Knowing that 
Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. So the second thing we can know is that Christ's life brings us freedom from sin. So verse 6, his death brought us freedom. Verse 9, his life brings us freedom. Those two work together hand in hand because he didn't just die and get buried and left there. He got buried and three days later he rose from the dead. And when he rose, we rose. So watch him say it in verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. He doesn't have to die again. He does it one time. It's over. And then he's raised from the dead. Verse 9, when he's raised from the dead, death does not have any power over Jesus. So you ready? If it has no power over Jesus and you're in Jesus, it has no power over you either. His death got us freedom from sin. His resurrection, His life, gains us freedom from sin. And again, some things that we say, we often say Jesus died for our sins. But that's not what this verse 9 says. Verse 9 doesn't say He died for our sins. Now, many other Scriptures do say that. Many other Bible verses say that Jesus died for our sins, but that's not the point of verse 9. Verse 9 is, He died unto sin. See it at verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. We see Jesus died unto sin. What's that look like, Pastor? There's Jesus on the cross. And all of the sin of the world has been placed upon him. You remember our verse we keep talking about, 2 Corinthians 5.21? God has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You see this picture as God places the sin of mankind, every single individual sin, one, two, and a thousand that I've done this last week, and one, two, and a thousand that you've done, and all the sin of mankind from Adam until the final amen, every sin of every man has been placed upon Jesus. Why was it that He could die? Because He had sin placed upon Him. For the wages of sin is death. Without the sin, He would not have died. He had the sin placed upon Him, and He became sin for us. And He died unto sin. Brothers and sisters, you and I were in Him, and we are now dead unto sin. It no longer has power over us. Sin has no power over a dead man. And because we know these things, we know that Jesus' death brings us Victory from sin. Jesus' life releases us from the power of sin. What can we believe? So we said, number two, if you know something, it will strengthen what you believe. So we know these two things. What can we believe? Here's what you can believe. Verse number eight. If we be dead with Christ, I hope you know that, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Here's what you can believe. You live with Christ. That's the victorious Christian life. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Say, Pastor, does this mean that I'll never sin again the rest of my life? No, it'll happen. But you will not give yourself over to it. The longer you are saved, 
the fewer times that you should be sinning. And I might add to this, though, the more your hatred for sin becomes. Do you realize that this sin is something that I'm dead to? Why would I go back and play with a dead man? That's disgusting. Got no desire for that. My desire is for God. My desire is new life in Jesus. So I can live in Jesus. And by the way, that's a promise that you can believe. Let me show you this promise. Verse number 5. Here's a promise. If you want to mark this, put a little star there and write promise next to it, maybe it will be a help for you. Here's the promise. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. That's not a rapture promise, brothers and sisters. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that's not a rapture promise? Here's a rapture promise. There's coming a day when Jesus will return and He'll take us home to be with Him forever and we will be glorified and there will be no sin in that life. It will be wonderful. Everything will be perfect. That's a rapture promise. This is not a rapture promise. You know why? This is dealing with your sin today. Here's what I need. I need Romans 6 and I need Paul to unpack for me how's the Gospel going to transform my life tomorrow afternoon? Not when I get to heaven. I don't need that help. When I get to heaven, hallelujah for that day. But I need help today. I need when sin comes and tries to raise its ugly head at me, I need something to cling on to. I need a promise. I can know it. I'm going to trust the One who made the promise. Jesus said, I'm dead to sin, so I'm going to trust Him for this. I'm alive in Christ. I'm not going to be ruled by it. So then, if I'm planted together in the likeness of Jesus' death, I will also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Freed. Here's some other places that He said the same thing. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. If you are dead, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Guys, that's not when Jesus comes back from heaven and we spend eternity with Him. For you are now presently dead to sin. Your life is hid with Jesus in God. And He's never going to let anybody take you out of His hand. He's got you. Another one, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is a truth, brothers and sisters. How is it that the Gospel will transform your life? It's when you realize, yes, I'm dead to sin and I'm alive in Christ. I'm no longer going to be controlled by sin. Sin has no dominion over me. See it in verse 14. We're going to see this verse next week, but you might as well see this promise. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. It's not going to be your king. It can't rule over you. You are in Christ dead to sin. Let those words sink in, brothers and sisters. Thirteen times He said it. Dead to sin. Live in victory. And what you know will strengthen what you believe. Let's see number three. We'll read verses 11 down to verse 13, but I'll go ahead and tell you verse three. uh, This number three says this, what you truly believe changes how you act. What you truly believe changes how you act. And I hope you see a progression here. What you don't know can hurt you. 
What you do know will change what you believe or it will strengthen what you believe and what you really, truly, at your core believe will change how you act. I believe this is so directly tied to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. It happens in your mind. I'm going to know it, I'm going to believe it, and then that belief will change the way I act. I'll be transformed by the renewing of my mind. My mind will be changed, and the actions in my life will be different. So what you truly believe changes how you act. Let's see it in verses 11 to 13. Verse number 11. Likewise, in the same way, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I wonder if you might be struggling this morning to believe what he's saying. I say, Pastor, I don't experience this. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor, I've tried this, I've tried it, and it doesn't work. Can I ask you to come down to the belief level? Come down to the belief level and check out what it is that you truly believe. Have you convinced yourself that you are not dead to sin and that somehow sin can still hold on to you? Don't make a secret pact with sin. You know what I mean? On the outside, yes, victory in Jesus. On the outside, yes, I'm all good. Everything's going to be fine. But on the inside, sin, I can't beat you. So just don't make a, a big deal about this in my life. Sin, you can have this little corner, but stay over in this little corner. No, 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 no. If you really believe it, it will change the way you act. So, so let me help you with this. Say, Pastor, I'm struggling with how do I really believe this? Well, can I come to your salvation for just a moment? I want you to think with me. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? I hope so. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of your sins? I hope so. Do you believe that there's coming a day, if you're a believer and you've put your trust in Christ, do you believe that there's coming a day when you'll stand before God and when He asks about your sin, you'll be able to point at Jesus on the cross and say, Jesus took my sins. Are you able to believe that? And I hope so. Now let me ask this question that might drive that home. How do you know that? You never experienced it. You never got to look at God in the eyes. You never got to see Jesus on the cross. There's only one way that you know that. And it's because of His Word. Because in His Word, He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So for that very reason, because He said it in His Word, you can know it, and because you know it, you can believe it, so you can trust Him, so that when the day comes and you stand before Him on Judgment Day, yes, my trust is in Jesus. Jesus took my sins on the cross. Alright, if you can believe Him there, how come you can't believe Him here? It's the same Word. 
The very same word that says, trust Jesus is the very same word that says you're dead to sin. And if you can trust that one, brothers and sisters, you can trust this one. And what you believe will change how you act. So let's see some practical ways that it will help us. I'll wrap up with these. I'll give you four of them. Four ways that you can start walking different. How your life will be changed by the way that you believe. And all four of them are from these three verses. So verse number 11. Reckon, likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. That was a truth, by the way. You are dead to sin. That's the truth. He said it over and over. You're dead to sin. So then, how do I put this into practice? If that's the truth, how do I put it into practice? Reckon yourself to be dead unto sin. The word reckon. Consider. Think of yourself this way. So that's going on in your mind. Reckon yourself to be dead unto sin. Start thinking. When sin comes along, start thinking, I'm dead to you. Not you're dead to me, because you can very well see him moving around. You very well see how much he smells good and looks good. You can go, wait a second, I'm dead to you. I don't want any part of picking up a dead body and making a puppet out of it. I'm dead. I'm, consider yourself dead to sin. No part of you. You are not my king anymore. That's practical. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed under sin. Start, another way to say it would be like this. Start acting like your identity. Start acting that way. Your life will be different because of who you are. Who are you? Dead to sin. That's who you are. I'm in Christ. I'm dead to sin. Alive in Christ. I don't have to live a slave to sin instead. I am dead to sin. Goodbye sin. See you later. Don't have any rule over me. I'm alive in Christ. I'm going to live out the way that I truly am. Second one, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That's R-E-I-G-N, not R-A-I-N. So reign as in like a king, don't let sin rule over you. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. That's again another way I know that this is not a rapture rapture promise. This is not a after you die because he said, don't let it reign over you in this mortal body. There's coming a day when your mortal will put on immortality, but that's not yet. So while you're still in this mortal body, don't let sin reign over you. So I'm not going to think that He has power over me, and I'm not going to let Him have power over me. Perhaps this verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 might be of help to you. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, the most precious price ever, The blood of Christ was shed on your behalf. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. So maybe that will help you to think this thing through. Sin comes along and tries to rule over you. No, 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 no. I don't belong to you, sin. You don't get to rule over me. I belong to God. This 
body is His temple. And the Holy Spirit indwells me. This is His temple. I'm not going to give this temple. It was bought at a great price. I'm going to glorify God with this body. I'm not going to let sin reign over me. It doesn't belong to sin anymore. And then He says another way. So we've seen... Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. We've seen it another way. Don't let sin reign over your body. Third one, verse 13. Don't let your body be a tool for sin. Don't let your body be a tool for sin. Here's verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. That word yield is like to give way or a give space to. We say give space. You can just imagine... When two cars come to an intersection, one of them has to yield to the other one. Give space for the other one to go. Which one? If you don't yield, you're going to bump. So you yield. And he says, don't yield your body as instruments to unrighteousness. In other words, don't let sin use your body as tools for its work. So my lips will no longer flap with gossip. These lips are not sin's toolbox. My eyes will not look upon the wine when it turns in the cup. There's a proverb about that and it would do you well to read it. My ears will not participate in listening to filth. My hands will not be grabbing things that are not mine My feet will not take me to the door of the strange woman or the foolish or the unwise or the violent man. All of those come out of the book of Proverbs. These body parts, see it in verse 13, your members, your body parts, don't yield them over to sin to be used as tools for sin. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You might remember the song. Perhaps you sang it in Sunday school. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down with love. He's hid you in Christ so that you can be dead to sin. So sorry, sin. I'm going to take my little feet and I'm going to turn them in the opposite direction and I'm going to skip as I go because I'm dead to you and you have no power over me, sin. You no longer rule over me. And lastly, verse number 13, yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So I see two things that I'm going to yield there. I'm going to yield myself and my members. I'll read it again. Yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So I'm going to yield myself over to God. God, tired of fighting sin. Renew my mind. I reckon myself to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto Christ. My life is hid with God in Christ. It's no longer I that's living, but Christ that's living in me. These members of my body are no longer a secret truce toolbox of Satan, but instead all of these members are going to be your tools, Jesus. Take my body, take my life, 
Use me the way you want. I'm going to turn my body over to Jesus. He bought me with a price. I'm going to stop thinking that sin is in control and instead I'm going to know that God is in control. The battle, brothers and sisters, let me encourage you, the battle was won at the cross. The Gospel transforms your life. Jesus did it. He lets us live in Him in newness of life. All you have to do is let Him. Father, I pray that we would take these truths, that we would believe them. God, I pray that we would seek help when we need it. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters who may not have experienced this in their lives. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would give root to the truth that we can believe. And then because of that belief, there will be a change in the way we act. Oh Lord, besetting sin is never intended to be there forever. I pray that You would give victory in the renewing of minds, even this morning. I pray that we would trust You. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ. Lord, thank You for this reality. Oh, we did not deserve it. To have been saved from hell would have been enough. But now to also receive life in Christ, oh, how glorious. Thank You, Jesus. For it's in Your beautiful name I ask this. Amen. Lord bless You, church. Love you. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 709-1000. Again, it's 709-1000.